Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Wednesday, September 28th edition of the Basement Academy. As we take a few minutes in the gymnasium of the soul, uh, today might have some wrestling about uh, as we take on the topic, uh, our discipleship amid disagreement, focusing in on particular areas of disagreement uh, within our denomination and our local church. And so before we do that, let us read a morning psalm. Psalm 28, and we simply read that it is a psalm of David. To you I call, O Lord, my rock. Do not turn a deaf ear to me. For if you remain silent, I will be like those who have gone down to the pit. Hear my cry for mercy as I call to you for help, as I lift up my hands toward your most holy place. Do not drag me away with the wicked, with those who do evil, who speak cordially with their neighbors but harbor malice in their hearts. Repay them for their deeds and for their evil work. Repay them for what their hands have done and bring back upon them what they deserve since they show no regard for the works of the Lord and what his hands have done, he will tear them down and never build them up again. Praise be to the Lord, for he has heard my cry for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. My heart trusts in him and I am helped. My heart leaps for joy and I will give thanks to him in song. The Lord is the strength of his people a fortress of salvation for his anointed one. Save your people and bless your inheritance. Be their shepherd and carry them forever. Amen. David, perhaps interceding on behalf of the people, not just himself, um, but crying for mercy on behalf of the people that he is called to shepherd and govern. Uh, wise uh, leader was David in that regard. Uh, thinking a lot about Queen Elizabeth and uh, you know the articles are starting to show up about her faith and the, the funeral service last week and all the ways that she was faithful from beginning of her reign uh, to the end, even in the funeral service itself. So there's, there's probably a reflection that need, or two that needs to come out of that. All right, um, let, let's, let's dive in now. So we're, we're talking now about Greenwich's unique history. It's, it's long history prior to the Presbyterian Church USA. It's history of gracious dissent, ways in which uh, we've stayed engaged and yet also uh, registered or acknowledged to um, our Presbyterian denominational leadership that we wish to differentiate ourselves in, in in several areas. And so what I thought I'd do today is to try to cover, and if we can't get through all of them, we'll just carry on into tomorrow, particular areas of difference or misalignment or disagreement that, that I have with our denomination. And as I listen to the leaders, uh, and not just the current set of leaders, elders, but but really the long relationship uh, I've enjoyed at Greenwich, there have been a, cons these are consistent themes, but the issues that are raised here are very contemporary issues. 
Um, that is, they were lifted up or in some way um, focused upon through the recent General Assembly uh, that happened uh, this past summer uh, or in different uh, readings <clears throat> that have been put out by denominational offices uh, in recent weeks and months. And so uh, let, let, let me start with this. The, the, the whole issue of human and then Christian identity, and I, I struggled to know how to kind of capture this theme or this thought, we affirm, as do our, our sisters and brothers in the Presbyterian Church USA, we affirm that all people are made in God's image. So that's baseline. You hear that from me all the time. Genesis chapters 1 and 2, let us make man in our image. In the image of God, he made them male and female, he made them. And so we are all image bearers, all who, who share the human race, because there's a way of thinking about race as just the human race, as opposed to the, the differentiated animal uh, orders, right? The animal kingdom. <clears throat> but we affirm uh, that at birth, and prior to birth, we're going to tie into that later, all humans are made in the image of God, bearing dignity. Uh, we have value. Uh, God honors that, not only by declaring us image bearers, but then in the incarnation of Jesus. Okay, so we share that with our Presbyterian community, uh, our interpretive family. We all interpret the scripture the same way. Where things do seem to make some departure, and there's some tension around this, and, and maybe disagreement that, that from what I say, some Presbyterian friends might disagree with me, but that in Christ, this is, I just spoke about this a couple weeks ago, maybe last week, in Christ, there is no Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, that, that is our Christian identity Paul leans us into that uh, in the book of Ephesians. The, divide, uh, the dividing wall of hostility between Jew and Gentile is broken down by the cross of Jesus Christ. So God's plan all along was to redeem the entire world. He chose a people, Abraham's family. We call them the Jews, the Hebrews. But he chose that family to carry a message to all families, okay? All peoples, all nations, all tribes, and so my understanding of Scripture from, since I can recall, you know, studying Scripture is that in Christ we find our unity. And so the way to lean forward into what God is doing is to affirm all men and women made in the image of God, all men and women sinners, right? So all have fallen short of the glory of God. We'll talk about that in just a moment. And then the redemption that is offered in Jesus Christ. So we find a unity so that those outward markers that do tend to divide us, Jew or Gentile, okay, our ethnic, racial ethnic heritage, slave or free, our socioeconomic uh, location on the pecking order, right? Social hierarchy and the like. And then a male or female, kind of the, uh, the, the, the gender, as it were, race, class, and gender. I talk about that a lot. Our Presbyterian denomination lifts up race, class, and gender. 
it is enamored of a set of teachings or a way of thinking that sees um, these as essential qualities, essential identifying marks. So even though I'm a Christian and you're a Christian, what's more important, less rather than our, our shared faith in Christ, what's more important is that I'm a straight white male and you might be a person of color, a female or a transgender person of color. That these are lifted up um, in a subtle way, but a very real and impactful way within our denomination so that our Christian identity takes a back seat to our racial identity, our class identity, our gender identity. And I just think that's wrong. I don't think scripture, I think in fact, this is exactly the thing that the apostle Paul is driving at. The Holy Spirit inspiring Paul to write in two different places in Galatians and Colossians, that in Christ we are one. And so the church is to understand its unity in Christ, not as people of color, not as male or female or some other uh, gender identity or some you know economic class. That these, we need to learn to transcend these. Now, I'll try to touch on this down here, but the response to what I'm now saying is, see, there a straight white man is trying to diminish because you have all the power and all the privilege, and so you're trying to diminish race and class and gender because you're at the top of the heap. And I just don't have much of an answer other than a biblical and theological answer. But Paul teaches that I'm one with my sisters and brothers down in Matamoros, Mexico, um, uh, Pastor Victor uh, and Beda, uh, Juan and Veronica Liniero, Juan and Veronica Liniero, our mission partners there. So we, we support them, we love, we care, we've had fellowship, we continue to fellowship at a distance, we pray for one another. Um, I, I don't know what to do about that. I, I don't, I, I'm not intending to think other than noble and admiral and good and uh, helpful and holy thoughts. So so this becomes a real issue because in this most recent General Assembly, there are things that are being lifted up that there are voices that are not being represented at the table. And I, I actually think that's a good thing that we ought to make sure that we have voices in the conversation. I support that. But the issue comes that, and this maybe bumps us down to the, the next one, marriage and sexual se sexuality, this notion that, uh, so, so the, the skin color obviously is easily noticeable. And that's not a chosen thing, right? We are born in the skin that we're born in. We're born to the parents that begot us, right? We, we had no choice in that matter. But with respect to gender identity, I teach what the scripture clearly teaches and Greenwich believes what the scripture clearly teaches that in the beginning, God made them male and female. And people say, well, Jesus never says anything about homosexuality. Jesus never says anything about that, but you are wrong. <laughs> Jesus, when confronted by the religious leaders of the day, 
who are trying to catch him and trap him. He says, have you not read in the beginning, God made the male and female, and for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. He, re, he, he, he quotes Moses, he quotes Genesis word for word, which is his way of affirming that teaching. So when people say, well, Jesus never spoke about human sexuality, absolutely he did. He affirms the creational mandate, the creational intention of God that marriage would be between man and woman for life. And so he upholds this. He lifts it up. And so, so we are in a denomination that says there is not a gender binary. That is, it's not just male and female. There's a gender spectrum. Uh, there's a, a multitude of genders. And so sexuality, you're assigned a gender at birth, depending on your genitalia. The doctor assigns you a gender, and then you choose whether or not to embrace that. If you choose to identify with the gender assigned at birth, i.e. male, then you are cisgendered. If you were born a female or assigned that at birth, according to, to, to the, the language, and you choose to identify as a male, you're a transgender male. You were So that transgender male says, I started as a female, I was assigned female, but I'm really a male in a female body. And so <clears throat> that's just a, a big old area of disagreement and difference. Um, there's no biblical warrant for this spectrum of gender identities. There's either male or, or female. Now, I attribute this to the effects of the fall. Uh, sexual broken, brokenness and the like result from Adam and Eve's sin, where taking of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, the human family takes to itself the authority to define its own existence, to define its own meaning, to define its own sense of identity. And so autonomously, rebelling against that which God has providentially and sovereignly ordered at birth, that I be born to Tom and Jackie Meeks in Caucasian or white skin in North America in 1960, da-da-da-da-da-da. These are part of the ways in which God's sovereign work in my life have unfolded as God's sovereign work in your life have unfolded. And my job is to then live into that which God has made me and to the fullness of my identity. And so, but I don't do that by choosing against the will and purposes of God. I, I, I seek to bend my will to the will of God. But autonomous humanity says, I will choose for myself despite any voice of authority. And so, so the authority, the traditional authority of the church that says there's male and female and that we ought to limit or proscribe uh, other expressions of human sexuality um, and identity, then that, those are just rejected. So that's just an area of difference. Similarly, then, that plays out into marriage. I understand from Scripture that marriage is simply between a man and a woman. There is no example in Scripture anywhere where marriage is anything other than man and woman. There are times when it's one man and multiple women, which is wrong. 
Okay, God's intention is one man, one woman. Now, God works through the error and the sin of polygamous uh, uh, Israel and, and others. Um, but it does not mean it's right. There, there's tension there. God can work all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So what Judas did was wrong in betraying Jesus and handing him over, but God worked through that sin to achieve salvation. And, and so marriage, this is a, a, a big point of contention because in the General Assembly, I'm pointing up here like I've written the words General Assembly, but the General Assembly this year, the Presbyterian Mission Agency adopted a work plan, a set of priorities for the next two years that will guide and shape and focus the church's energies. Uh, among them, to dismantle heteropatriarchy and to work against heteronormative expressions. So I have to unpack those words, right? Heteropatriarchy is the notion that God has a gender binary, male and female, and that God has somehow assigned uh, or given to men a greater responsibility or authority, okay? It is clear scripture teaches this, that man is the head of the woman. Now the question is, what does that mean? I have taught about that in our Ephesians study, where uh, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and laid down his life for her. So I'm not going to repeat all that here. But um, are there expressions of patriarchy that are harmful and wrong and sinful? Absolutely. And I've spoken to those as well. <clears throat> but heteronormativity is all the rage right now, a confronting and, and, and dismantling and eradicating and overcoming um, heteronormativity. Heteronormativity is the belief that God made them male and female and human sexual expression is to be limited to male and female in the covenant of marriage. Now, of course, people do whatever they want, whenever they want, with whomever they want. And that's, we understand that, but it does not make it right. And so the scripture teaches clearly a heteronormative world and our denomination is saying that is wrong we must confront that and so there is another area of disagreement an area of difference and, and misalignment we are in a denomination where we are outliers where we have kind of put the stake in the ground and said we believe we teach this only and exclusively and uh, hope that I won't be um discipline for that in, in, in a way. I don't believe I will. Um, so th this is challenging, right? Just at these, these uh, I'm not going to get through the whole list, so we'll just, we'll just un unpack a couple of days for the next few days. But these first two, human identity, Christian identity, sexual or gender identity, and then the implications from that, these are significant. I I'm not trying to cherry pick uh, an argument and I'm not trying to make an argument. I'm not, I'm not trying to fight anybody. This has been a growing belief and trend and um, work of advocacy in our denomination. 
and the minority became the majority. The minority voice that was arguing for gender justice um, prevailed through the constitutional uh, workings of uh, amendments and overtures and petitions and votes and all of that. So that over time, our denomination has shifted the boundary lines such that somebody who believes as I do or as many of us do at Greenwich are now actually seen as wrong or harmful or bigoted or in some cases there's language of violence. Those who teach the heteronormative um, way are, uh, there was, a, there was a, a reading, an article earlier this year before the General Assembly, a, a conference was held on gender justice and some voices of you know lesbians and gays and some non-binary folks etc were were leading this <clears throat> and noting that there are uh, situations where a gender non-conforming young person or any any person but young person in this case had taken their own life because they felt ostracized or ridiculed a tragic event a tragic event. But then the, the follow-on at this conference was any church that is not fully affirming of LGBTQIA plus individuals is killing people. I beg to differ. But that's what was said. And so that's that's how 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 this how it, this is not just a casual you know boundary this discussion. There's an accusation. Now this was not authoritative. It wasn't the General Assembly saying this, but it's 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 illustrative of an attitude that is growing uh, within our denomination. That if we do not fully affirm anybody who wishes to change their gender, change their identity, etc then we are killing people. Well, I, I, I lament the loss of life in, in any form, but I disagree that I am responsible in any way or that my actions or my teaching or my beliefs that are firmly grounded and on the right side of history. <laughs> I've got 6,000 years of history on my side, right? There's only maybe 20 or 30 years of history on the other side. So I think I'm on the right side of history. Um, uh, that, that I, I just reject that. So, so let, let me stop here. Um, let, so here's, we start the list. We'll, we'll, we'll cover a couple more tomorrow and may, maybe we'll get through all of these tomorrow. We'll see how we do, but these are significant. I offer all of this with pastoral sensitivity, knowing there are folks at, at Greenwich that may well disagree with my understanding, may more align with our uh, denomination. Um, and there's some who may want to want me to say it stronger than I have. Uh, so uh, there, there's an honest disagreement in our denomination. We feel the tension, and this is one of the areas that our leadership is trying to lift up as a reason for us to consider realignment. So let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you for your mercies, which are new every morning, which cover all of our sins, even sins that I may have just committed with my mouth in speaking as I have. Help us to live faithfully uh, in these strange and changing times. Help us to have compassion and tenderness and kindness and mercy towards those with whom we differ, especially those 
who differ in this area I've lifted up. As we lament the loss of life, so we lament also human sin and defiant autonomy that is exercised against you and your clearly revealed word and your kingdom. And so lead us in a path of humility, grace, and truth as we make our prayer in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. May God be with you. May God bless you. May God keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you this day and forevermore. Amen.